Lord, this morning we are overwhelmed by your love. And so, pray, Lord, I pray this morning that as we feel that love deep in our bones, to the very core of who we are, the part that we don't want anybody else to see, Lord, you know us in that place. And you love us in that place. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make us more like you. Father, shape us into your image. Draw us closer to your face. And so, Lord, as we hear from your word this morning, as we hear more about who you are, Lord, I pray you would make us more like you in every moment. That as we become holy as you are holy, Lord, that you would perfect us in your holy will. It's in your wonderful name we pray this morning. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. It's great to be here this morning. Thanks, Corey, for allowing me to come and share. Such a blessing uh, to be here and to just see the love that that I'm able to um, interact with we have for the Lord. And it certainly brings uh, encouragement to my heart to realize what God is doing today. Before I get started with my story, I want to tell you a story about each of my girls, for those of you who know them. I did tell them I was going to do that. So I want to tell a story about both of the girls. I'm not going to tell you which one, which story goes with which girl. You will have to figure it out. One day, we went fishing. We went to this lake to fish. And let's just say daughter number one, uh, she was about five and she had a stick. And we're fishing, right? And she has the stick and she's hitting the water. Now that doesn't scare fish, so it was all good. So she's, she's hitting the water and all of a sudden she hits the water and when she does, the stick breaks and she does a somersault and lands in the lake. So daughter number two, one evening she goes into the bathroom. Now, as I remember, she wasn't having a very good evening and may even have been in some trouble. All of a sudden, there was a very loud noise come, that came from the bathroom as the toilet seat slammed very hard. Her dad, upon investigation, determined that maybe it would help if she would open and close the toilet seat at least a hundred times. For many years afterward, if she was reminded of that, she would say, well, at least I didn't fall in a lake. And those... Girls, you can ask them about it later. So I have a couple of questions for you. How many of you grew up around or are familiar with a Mennonite or an Amish community? A few of you, not a whole lot. Have you ever Amish? Amish Mafia? Well, so there had been a Mennonite Mafia in my teenage and early that my brother, my cousin, and I would have been the ringleaders. It's sad, but it's true. We were not about our father's business, I can assure you, in those days. 
And this morning, uh, as I prepare to tell you my story, I want to pretty familiar part of it anyway. That's okay. Okay. I'm going to lay the word of God down there because I'm reading from the message paraphrase. Um, but it's a, I want to read a scripture that a lot of us are familiar with, but we're going to go further than Jeremiah 29.11. I'm going to read Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 from the message paraphrase. Listen uh, as we hear what Jeremiah is saying as he shares uh, with the Israelites about the Lord. I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. And that's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And I'm here this morning to share with you the amazing grace of God who wants to come in and not only change your life, but he wants to be your life. Wherever we are, when we turn our hearts to him, there we will find him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is a favorite scripture of many, and it's one of my favorites. However, we can't read verse 11 and stop. If we do, we miss the entire point that Jeremiah was making to those who had been in captivity in Babylon for years. They were free to leave and go back to Jerusalem. However, some of them were choosing to stay in the place they once had been held captive. Last night, Gracia and the, the gospel choir sang so beautifully that Jesus came to break every chain. He came to break every chain. And I testify today that he is more than able to break whatever chains you may be dealing with. So I was born in an Old Order Mennonite family. Growing up, the horse and buggy was our main mode of transportation. We had no electricity. My mom and dad still live that way today. Uh, Some would call that a simple way of life to live as a Mennonite or an Amish. And that's what it looks like on the outside. That's for sure. But you know, when I was born, I came into this world just like you, screaming and crying. They tell me the reason for that is that I was self-centered. Born with a sin nature. And that is how each one of our stories begin. I grew up thinking that we had a corner on being a holy people. We certainly looked holy by the standards that the bishop of our church set for our dress. People often say, uh, they'll look at Mennonites or the Amish and they'll say, they're such good people. And many of them are, but they're no different from me or you. I had such a huge aha moment later in life when I realized that the Mennonites and the Amish, they have the same wants, needs, and desires of every human being on the face of the earth. Dressing me in a simple dress doesn't change the fact that I was born of a sin nature. And going to church every Sunday 
certainly did not make me a holy person. At age 39, my mom was shocked when she found out she was going to have another child. She didn't think they could have more children. And actually, I've continued just to be a surprise all of my life. She used to tell me that when I was a baby, I looked like a china doll. However, there are no pictures to prove that because we didn't have cameras. But I took her word for it. And when I was five years old, my oldest brother was in a terrible farming accident. I've never been able to get those scenes out of my mind. And for those of you who have been around trauma, um, you are probably the same way. But as the ambulance screamed away from our home that night, my two brothers and I huddled together, too scared to move and not knowing if we would ever see our brother again, if he would come back to our home alive. And it seemed like an eternity that we were alone there in our home, and then the church, the church began to show up. And they filled our house that evening, and they consoled us. I can still remember my friend Rachel. She lived on the next farm over, and, and she was asking me to play with her. All I could do was shake my head no. After much coaxing it to no avail, she looked at me and said, My daddy fell through the barn floor and broke both his arms, and I played with you. I believe that night was the very first time that I experienced holy, spiritual community in the hard times. That night, in the midst of adversity, there was peace so evident. Those fears and all that happened earlier in the evening had dissipated, and there was a peace. I wasn't going anywhere doing anything that night other than just being loved by my church family. I believe this is my earliest memory of an encounter with the divine side of the church, moments filled with unity and compassion. A few years later, I walked in on a conversation that my mom and my aunt were having, and it was a huge disagreement about church. I can tell you I would have been in huge trouble if I would have talked like that to anyone. And many arguments happened over the last few months, the next few months, and it wasn't long until our church was divided. My only living grandparent and most of my uncles and aunts on my mom's side left our church, and we were left with a church divided and a family broken. And who knows what they were arguing about. Did it really matter? But at a very young age, I had been impacted heavily by the church, both the human and the divine. I had witnessed both and was affected deeply, and my little young brain could not comprehend the disconnect between the two behaviors that I'd witnessed. You know, we don't know the impact of our words They impacted me as a very young child. The conversations that were had about others in the church. And sandwiched between those two events, I had something happen to me that shouldn't have. I'm not blaming anyone. The fact is it happened. Some of you have been there. 
You know, even my report cards could not deny that something significant happened in my life in second grade. The vibrant little girl who couldn't stop talking in class had disappeared. And a withdrawn little girl showed up at school. Things were not handled the way they should have been. But we have all been in places where our actions have brought more hurt. My family was no different. We were just like any other home in America, which minus all the fun stuff, you know, no electricity, there'll be no electronics. But we were like any other home. We had dysfunction. Everything we swept under the rug, it took on a life of its own. When things aren't dealt with, they have a way of coming back and continuing to interfere in our life. By 14, I was into my mom's stash of grape wine that she made. Don't ask me. We weren't supposed to drink, but it was there. I drank it. It's just the way it was. I found a new way to cover my pain, at least temporarily. Pretty soon, that wine that I took from my mother's cabinet was replaced by a party every chance I got. Of course, you can imagine that introduced a whole new world of evils. I started seeing a young man. I mean, my brother asked him to come to our farm and help put in the hay crop. And so I didn't go out looking. He came to me. I started seeing a young man who wasn't a Mennonite. And of course, while maintaining a relationship with my Mennonite boyfriend for a cover. Don't ever do that, girls. It's not good. It'll only get you in more trouble. By 18, I had fallen so far, I couldn't see any hope. So my oldest brother, he decided that he would do the elder brother thing, and he took me into his home to straighten me out. And one night, I looked out the window to see my three brothers having a conversation, and I was sure they were talking about their wayward, rebellious sister. I threw a few things in a trash bag, made a phone call, and headed out the back door into the night, thinking, I am finally free. I didn't realize that I had just traded one bondage for another. When I left that night, uh, the minister of the church never contacted me. I had joined the church. He never contacted me, uh, but I got a phone call about a month after I left, and my mom told me that the church had shunned me. Now, what that meant, they excommunicated me from the church, took me off of the membership, and being shunned, I would not be able to go back and have a family meal with my, my family when they got together. And that's been 20-some years that I have not sat around the table with my personal family. However, my mom, every time I go to see her and dad, and they're in their late 80s now, she always says, Margaret, would you like a cup of coffee? I'm like, yeah. And she always pulls some sweets or something out, and they always sit around the table and have a cup of coffee with me and the girls, and we have the best of time with them. God is a great healer. Um, so she does what she can um, to make me feel a part as much as she can get by with. 
But you see, the stuff that I had swept under the rug, it did take on a life of its own. It became larger than the facade of the good Mennonite girl that I was trying to cover it up with. Yes, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. I heard James um, Hayward speak recently, and he said, when, when hurt happens, we either become a victim, a villain, or a victor. And at this point in my life, when I left, I became a villain. Nobody really wanted to mess with me. I know you have, find that probably hard to imagine, but I was, I was, well, it wasn't pretty. My mom tells me that she believes I would have lived anywhere to have kept from living at home with her. And she was right. There was a couple who rented me a room for $100 a month. And I thought, wow, it's going to be great. I'll be with family. Little did this little naive Mennonite farm girl know that she had moved in with drug dealers. Yeah. A whole, a whole other level of evil. I would sit around the table as drugs were being weighed out. No idea of the danger I was really in. And it wasn't long until I joined the party. I remember one night I was asking one of the girls who hung out there at the house with, with these people. Um, she wanted me to take a ride with her. I thought, oh, cool. She wants to hang out with me. She pulled the car over at a deserted place on top of a mountain. And she pulls her mirror out and lays out a few lines of cocaine. Now, I will have to admit, I didn't have a problem with that. And was rather excited about what was before me. Free drugs were the best kind. Without any notice, something started deep within me. And before I knew it, a colossal sneeze erupted so fast and so quick that there was no preparing for it or preserving what was laid out before me. There were no words adequate. For the next moments, as I looked at the carpet and the floorboard of the car, where it looked like there had been a light dusting of snow, the cocaine had made its way into the carpet. Anger erupted from the driver, and she took me home and dropped me off. You see, when we lose sight of God... That does not mean that God has lost sight of us. He is the hound of heaven. I believe that night that more than likely those drugs were laced with something. Lord only knows what. So I found out later that she was actually seeing my boyfriend behind my back. And I really believe that night her intention could have been to get me out of the way. God protected me that night. He knew he had a plan and a purpose for me. The home where I was living, they had a Doberman, and that Doberman took up residence in my room, and he slept on my rug by my bed every night. 
also realized recently they had a wolf, and that wolf was trained right outside my window. You see, God was protecting me in a very bad place. Fast forward a few years and a lot of sin. I knew that I had to make a decision. There was always this pull. Do I want to go back and enter into that, that life? Or do I want to go, stay where I'm at and, and find my place in the world? And agents of grace begin to show up in my life. The first was Steve. We dated about six months. And we were married. The funny thing is we were married by a Nazarene pastor. I just love how God does things like that. Steve became a positive voice in my life. He encouraged me to get my GED. And then my GED teachers encouraged me. They told me I had potential. And I want to share just a story of something that happened. Um, We'd been married about three years, and Sydney was born. And when she was about 13 months old, uh, she was really sick. She had contracted the E. coli bacteria and had what they called hemolytic uremic syndrome. She had suffered a stroke, leaving her partially paralyzed, blind, and her kidneys had failed. She didn't have enough plasma in her body to make a blood clot. So before they could even do anything about dialysis, um, she had to have a plasma transfusion. They told us that things would likely get worse before they got better. And Sydney's future was bleak at the best. As the doctors left the room, we stood there just in shock. My mother-in-law spoke up and said, we need to pray for Sydney. And I lost it. I went hysterical. I thought, I have not prayed for years. The words rang in my ears uh, from years before telling me that if I didn't come back to the church, I left and repent. God wouldn't hear me because that's the way I was raised to believe that I could not find salvation anywhere except in that church. But you know what? I took a step of faith that night and I walked to her bed and I prayed. Within 48 hours, Sydney had gained all her sight And her mobility. And three days after that dialysis shunt was put in, three days later, her kidneys functioned. And I began to wonder if God maybe did hear me. And maybe he even cared enough to answer a desperate prayer for my little girl. See, we just read in Jeremiah, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. Olivia was born 19 months after Sydney, and that year God did something else to get my attention. He brought a scripture to my mind. And it was from earlier in that little Mennonite church. The parable of the sower out of Matthew 13. Some seed fell on rocky ground, other seed fell among thorns, and other seed fell on fertile soil. I believed that I said out loud that day, I want to be fertile soil. And, of course, the next thought came to my mind, where will I go to church? And I remember three people who were my clients as a hairdresser, three people were inviting me, and they were all inviting me to the same church. So for the next six months, I sat in that church and struggled, wondering um, what to do because I couldn't believe that the gospel, the message of Christ, was enough for me because I was told for so many years, that was different. 
if you were raised a Mennonite. (laughs) I went to an Easter drama and actually saw the life of Christ played out before me, and I realized that he did die for me too, that the blood of Christ was enough to cover my sin. I walked into my uh, senior pastor's office. I made an appointment with him, and um, I walked into Pastor Kerry's uh, office and asked a question. Is there any way to get to heaven outside the Mennonite church? He laughed for just a moment, and then he realized how serious I was. That day, we prayed, and so began my Christian walk. My life had been so filled with outward appearance and legalism that it took years to restore and repair my faith foundation. And here are a few things that defined me before Christ. At birth, I was called a China doll. At age seven, when the things were swept, when the things were swept under the rug, I was called trash. And from 18 to into my 30s, I was told it had been better if I would have died as a child because it would have been easier to follow a coffin to a graveyard than to see me living in the world. But as I began to understand who I was in Christ and who Christ was in me, and as my relationship with Christ grew, the roots of my faith deepened to where I could stand and where I can share with you today what he has done in my life. In verse 13 and 14 of Jeremiah 29, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. He wants us to come and seek him. He has been so faithful. And during my early years of my, of my walk, God used me to share the gospel as a hairstylist. I had a captive audience every half hour or so. And as I progressed with, with that uh, job, I ended up working at the hospital, working with people who were having issues with their image <clears throat> due to alter, uh, cancer and other image-altering diseases. And God called me to ministry, and I was struggling with that call And I was on the phone with my mom one day, and we were having a deep conversation. And God began to give me scriptures and explanations of the scriptures. And all of a sudden, my mom stopped me, and she said, Margaret, are you preaching over at that church? And so I was called by God and actually confirmed by my mom. And today, he has each one of us here. For such a time as this, he has placed each one of us where he could have put us in any part of time. He placed each one of us here in 2014. He put us here together. And it's time for the church to rise up. To be a light brighter than we've ever been before. I've had time to heal in the places 
that may be very raw in some of your lives, I want to encourage you that no matter where you've been, what you've done in your life or what someone else has done to you, God is enough. He will take all the pain and the hurt and turn it into beautiful, holy love and compassion. And he will make it your testimony of what he has saved you from. When he calls, we step out in the boat, step out of the boat and we trust him. We walk by faith and not by sight. And today I can agree with David in Psalm 18 where these are the words, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress. My Savior, my God, is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who was worthy of praise, and he saved me from all of my enemies. And he took me from being a villain to a victor. He is our salvation. He is our redeemer. He is our restorer. God gave me the most precious gift in 1996 when he saved me. At that moment, I received all of God. And in 2001, I came to the end of my addiction. And I gave all of myself to him. He has given me more and more of an undeniable hunger to know him and to be his presence wherever I go. And in closing, I just I want to pray Ephesians three fourteen through 20 over you. Would you bow with me? Oh, Lord, we come today and we are so grateful for you, who you are. And from Ephesians 3, when I think of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with his inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will come and make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down, down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all its fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We thank Reverend Michael this morning. Can you stand?